Hey, this is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie, all one word. Um, and if you sign up, you do get weekly bonus episodes. Right now, I'm covering uh, She-Hulk with different guests. Um, and then also I, I do kind of quick reviews of what I'm watching that week. So you kind of get a rundown of everything else I'm watching. People frequently ask me about current movies. And since I only cover, you know, an episode a week or every other week, this is like where I put all that other stuff. Um, and I do want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. They are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman, Philip Barker, Michael Cross, and Josh Johnson. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you hear today, Please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, and I have a returning guest on the podcast. I have Chris Balga. Say, and he is with the, uh, he's the co-host of Marvel Alliance and the World's Finest True Believers podcast, which, and both are part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Lisa. How you doing? Thanks for having me back. Oh, thank you for coming back. I tripped up on my words there because I accidentally put the title of the movie like right under my patron. So I almost read uh. the title of the movie. <laughs> and I was like, I need to tease that a little bit, right? We'll, we'll get into that we're, in a second. We're, bo we're both very excited to talk about it. Yes, that's that's very true. Uh, Chris, you've been on the show several times and you're also a patron, which, you know, I, I gave you a little shout out, give you a little shout out every yep. week. Um, but if people haven't heard those episodes or haven't heard your show, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, Chris Balga and uh, live in North Carolina. I'm a assistant principal at a local high school. And yeah, as you said, as you kind of gave me the plugs there, I'm a podcaster myself. Uh, World's Finest True Believers was my very first podcast, which is modeled after your show. But instead of talking movies, we do a deep dive into guest favorite arcs of comic books or graphic novels that they choose. And you have been a guest several times, in fact, recently recorded one that'll be coming out next year at that point. So, you know, a little bit of a wait, but it'll be worth the wait at that point because you have brought on the show's very first manga after three plus years of having World's Finest True Believers. It has taken that long for someone to select a manga. So I know uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, what people think about that. It's it's I'm early into manga, but yeah, so we just deep dive in everything with comic books and uh it's just a, it's looking at the history of the writers and the artists and the background behind how these create how uh, the arcs and graphic novels were created. So a lot of you know, for the history nerd of me and a comic lover, this is it's a fun show to do. And so that releases monthly at the end of the month of every on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And then Marvel Alliance, I'm co-host with uh, my friend Brent. And yeah, we just break down that comes that we break down every week, everything that's going on in Marvel, whether it be TV, streaming, movies, comic books, everything that's going on uh, Marvel, because we're big fans of all, everything comic books. But, you know, we we uh, hold a special spot in our heart for uh, Marvel. So, so, yeah. Yes, thank you. And I'm, I'm really excited about that episode, although I am silently judging myself because <laughs> I kept, I mean, I, I hope I phrased it the right way, but one of the things I loved about the comic that we're talking about, I feel like mm -hmm. um, it's it's very gory. And surprisingly, I do like certain types of gore. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very against, uh, I don't really enjoy movies where it's like uh, they're torturing people, you know, like Saw Slash or something. Yeah. yeah. But um, when you think of something like, I guess like the close, the most, uh, the closest thing I can compare it to is like say Cronenberg or something like that. Mm. Um, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I guess because it is so over the top, it doesn't feel realistic, but I kept <laughs> saying that, you know, it was body horror, which it is, but I'm like, Oh, I like that. And I'm like, that kind of gives the a weird impression about me that I <laughs> like violence or something. But anyway, nope. If, if they truly know you, Lisa, we 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 know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people like horror and like you know stuff like that, so they'll they'll probably mm -hmm. understand. But I'm I'm honored to have been the first guest to bring that up, and you know, hopefully, I think that there can be kind of a disconnect. Sometimes people are sort of afraid to get into manga if they're not if it's not already in their wheelhouse. They're kind of like, oh, that mm -hmm. stuff's weird, and, and so this could be and a I good bring the, tip and I, for them. 
you know. I actually bring that up on the show because I, it's been a it's been a about a year. It only been about a year since I've really kind of dove headfirst into it and, and kind of go into kind of where my disconnect is, which is a lot of people's disconnect with it. But but yeah, so it, it's it, it's I was excited to have you on and always have you on. It's always a pleasure to come back on your show. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Um, now I, I do let my guests pick the movie. The guest always picks the movie. So Chris, what did you want to talk about this week? We are going to talk about Constantine with Keanu Reeves from 2005. So speaking of comics, right? I mean, yep. this is a comic book movie. <laughs> it's also yep. a spooky film, you know, in, in October, we like to cover more horror centric stuff. So um, as part of spooky season, this definitely qualifies. Um, and yeah, Constantine, a movie that I think has aged very well. Like I think when this came out, there was a lot of, uh, negative buzz from critics. And I remember mm -hmm. like walking out of the theater, loving this movie and then finding out that a bunch of people hated it and being really surprised. What about you? Same, same here. You know, I, I, I was a fan of the character from the comics, and so I had my qualms going into it, not against Keanu Reeves necessarily, but just kind of what I've grown up with, Constantine, that he's not American, number one. Yes. And, you know, it's it's just kind of how the look of it, you know, again, he Alan Moore based it off of, you know, Sting, uh, the musician at that point, so obviously not having the same look, but saying, you know what, I'm... I'm the first one to say I'm going to go in with an open mind. I'm the person who said when Heath Ledger was cast the Joker, what that that guy's going to do it or you know ten things that let's give him a chance. And you know what, I, I I like you. People were hating on it after they left the theater, but you know what I said. I find a lot I enjoyed about it, and you know what, I'm glad it's come around. I'm glad that uh, we've got an announcement that they're going to be working on a sequel to this movie after so long, and Keanu has been you know, being the big, you know, he's having a second renaissance, but we're getting a second chance at this, you know, it, even if, even if that sequel does not come to pass at that point, this movie has a lot of special meetings for me. <laughs> and some of my favorite quotable quotes that I use so often, just because Constantine has a, I, I share a very drab and one could say you know i wouldn't call my i wouldn't call myself pessimistic but kind of a drab sense of humor when it comes to you know <laughs> dark sense of humor at times i i mean that that makes a lot of sense and uh yeah the people that, i remember even the people i saw the movie with were like i hated that and i was like what and I, there were times i doubted myself so many people didn't like this movie that i was like am i crazy like am i you know, did, did I see a different film or am I unable to judge film or, you know, but it, it's like, I think that this was ahead of its time. I think this didn't have the audience that it has today. Like when you get something like Sandman on Netflix or just all the comic book content that we have now, I think people are a lot more open-minded um, to comic book interpretations. They're more aware of these stories, you know, probably not a lot of people were aware of Constantine back then. Now there's been a TV mm -hmm. show and he's been in several other shows. Like people know who the character even is now. Um, so yeah, I think and we're I, just I, in a different world now than in 2005. And I give a lot of credit. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Matt Ryan who brought some new life to the character and has continued on with it, whether it be in his own show that was very short lived, that should have gotten more. That Agreed. was also ahead of his I time. I love that show and I it, love um, Matt Ryan. I mean, yes. it, it, I do have divided loyalties because kind of like you said, this is not really who this character is. I wasn't familiar with that character when I saw this movie, but I was aware that he didn't look like how he was supposed to in the comics, that he wasn't British. Matt Ryan feels like he jumped out of the comic book pages. Like he literally represents who, who Constantine is. And it's so mm -hmm. charming and so fun that it's like, well, yeah, maybe I do want a direct adaption because this guy's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. he really sells it. Oh yeah. And, and again, if that, if the idea of getting the possibility of the second movie coming from Keanu Reeves is in part due to matt ryan's you know the fan base going around him at that point but if we get more constantine and people are more open to the idea again i don't always need page to screen i don't always need i look at the creativeness of like okay what are they trying to do with this what are they bringing a little differently how are they honoring the source material how are they honoring the character does he get the essence of the character and spoiler 
I think he does. I think I agree. he does a good job with the essence of the character. That is what's important to me. Did they get that essence in the spirit of the character correct? And in, in the in the world that he's into, I think they yes. did a very good job. I mean, now I'm rewatching this after having just finished Sandman, you know, on Netflix, which I I haven't mm, yeah, read the so comic. Good. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed that world. I enjoyed that series and like, yeah, this is a pretty good representation. Now, 2005, um, is, and, and by the way, listeners, is this is your first episode. I do think, I mean, I'm going to brag on us a little bit. I think you have two good people to listen to because we really do know kind of a lot about this topic. Um, yeah. but so 2005 is when Batman Begins came out and, mm-hmm. and it's one year after Hellboy. Right. So this kind of, yep. you know, around some good comic book films, actually. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and it's one of those it's one of those like a, like we keep on saying it might have been ahead of its time, but it was just one of those things that they don't. He's a character that a lot of people say, wait a minute, he's a superhero and he's fighting religious, you know, the devil and God and all that kind of stuff is like, yeah, again, he, they're still getting used to this idea of anti hero because one could, you know, people look at Batman. Oh, Batman's a hero. It's like, yeah, sometimes Batman draws a line as anti-hero at times as well. But because he's wearing a costume and fights people like the Joker, okay, that's superhero. Constantine fighting the devil and, you know, angels and demons is like, mm, I don't know what I feel about that. And this is such, as you kind of mentioned and touched on earlier, sort of a cynical look almost at mm-hmm. our world, at religion, at fantasy. It's it's a very interesting and different take than I think we're used to seeing mainstream prior to this film. And especially just, you know, knowing who created the character, Alan Moore, and some of the people who picked up the Constantine character, like like he didn't do Garth Ennis' run on Hellblazer, which is what uh, the comic uh, John Constantine is in mainly, you know, bringing that, because, I mean, Garth Ennis himself is also not a stranger to tackling very, like, religion and society and things like that so again like the quotes in this movie and the lines that they write for this movie are just like yeah again essence of the character big check mark they got it you know mm-hmm. he's not he's not one to suffer fools and he's not one to mince words yeah i was very attracted to this character after watching this movie is very interested now on that note we're not going to be spoiler free. I don't usually do like, oh, here's my spoiler free thoughts and now my spoiled filled thoughts. <laughs> this is just going to be a discussion on the movie. We, we're we going to assume that you've already seen it. And if you haven't, but you're still listening, <laughs> this is basically a quick rundown that I got from IMDb. Um, mm-hmm. As a suicide survivor and demon hunter, John Constantine has literally been to hell and back. And he knows when he dies, he's got a one way ticket to hell. Unless he can earn enough goodwill from God, uh, to get to heaven. So while helping policewoman Angela Dodson investigate her identical twins, apparent suicide, Constantine becomes caught up in a supernatural plot involving both dynamic or demonic dynamic involving both demonic and angelic forces. And this is based on the DC vertigo title, uh, Hellblazer comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's no, like, I mean, it. literally I spoiled everything about the movie there. So <laughs> I would say you spoiled everything at that point. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, now, I, I, I like to start off with a couple of quick facts, which you've, we've kind of already jumped into some of the facts. Um, you mentioned one of them about where this character came from. But the, the other little nugget that I had was that Moore gave all the money he would have uh, gotten from this to the artist who drew the character with him and rejected his mm-hmm. own created by credit in the film. Yeah, Alan Moore is very famous in the sense of like he he wants nothing to do with the Hollywood interpretations of it. Don't even bother if you ever get a chance to meet Alan Moore. He is a wizard. He is a self-proclaimed wizard at that point. He's very interesting. Like you look at him these days like, yep, I I can buy that. (laughs) Um, But again, he's it's his right. He just didn't want anything to do with it especially after the negative experience he had with from hell and league of extraordinary gentlemen, he was like, Nope, I'm out. I don't want any part of this. And he's been happier ever since. But, you know, again, a lot of these creations we can credit for him because he didn't, he brought John Constantine into his run on swamp thing. That's the first time we ever saw it. And it's, um, that's another show that went before it's time, <laughs> you know? Uh, but no, it's, it's, He's an interesting character, but he's created some very cool characters that continue to live on today. Um, yes. Um, 
he is an interesting guy, like you said. Um, and every time I hear about him, it's always something kind of interesting. And that is kind of sad about, you know, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I remember seeing that one in theaters um, and from hell. But gosh, kind of reminds me almost of uh, of Star Wars, huh? Of like, you mm-hmm. know, causing the creator to like walk away from what they've created. That's kind of sad. But Hollywood does have a pattern of doing that. Yeah. And, and some people could say that, you know, he's you know, he's just one of these characters. He's just one of these creators that just, oh, he thinks he's better than that. And everyone's got their own thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it, it's just very interesting, just kind of his um, his his perspective on things and what he what he what he feels at that point. I mean, again, like they're re-releasing, they're bringing a character on the Marvel side called Miracle Man back, mm. and they're putting out a new collection, an omnibus of his whole run, and you don't see Alan Moore's name; you just see it's it, it's written by the original author. That's what wow. it's written by. Like his name has been stricken from it because of the you know because of his 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 dealings with Marvel and things like that. So wow, um, and that's that's due to him. And so again. That's his choice. That's yeah. that's all. There's there's lots of stories behind that. I won't get into that. If you listen <laughs> to some of the stuff I go into on my own show with Alan yeah. Moore, I kind of break it all down. But it that's him and publishers, particularly Marvel and DC, did not end well. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. They, that hence why a lot of this is the way it is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, another thought, I guess, kind of moving away from Alan Moore a little bit, is that the look of hell was based on old footage of nuclear tests specifically the sudden shockwave immediately after a blast that disintegrated anything in its path, hence the crumbling landscape you see in the film. It, it definitely fits in my mind what the definition of hell would be. You know? Yeah, yeah, I like the way it's depicted. I feel like it's different. You know, it's not just things on fire. and You know what I mean? It, 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 it feels like, uh, like it's layered over our world, but after, yeah, a big disaster, like that, that's a cool depiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like, I like that idea that it's, it's basically our world flipped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, another, uh, note that I have, and again, I feel like I keep coming back to this just because I really like Hellboy. Um, <laughs> the spear of destiny prop is the same one used in Hellboy, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, and I love how it just kind of keeps coming up with that because I, I I listen to the commentary of it, you know, how it's in the beginning of the movie, it's wrapped up in a, in a Nazi uh, flag at that yeah. point because, you know, supposedly in, in World War II, they had they had acquired the, the quote-unquote Spear of Destiny, which was later reacquired and tested, and it doesn't match up to what it should be in the sense of you know doing tests of minerals and stuff like that on mm-hmm. it it's it's it is it is a fake i feel and like that happens so, a lot yeah <laughs> but it's one of the best inter- it's one of the best interpretations they use in the movie too yes yeah but it's um but they actually burned the flag of uh when they got done with that scene so that's they it couldn't be taken and used by neo-nazis and oh, things like that yeah very smart mm-hmm. um and that's pretty much all my quick facts. Did you have any couple that you wanted to share before we go further? Yeah, because we kind of talked about how, you know, Keanu Reeves is not necessarily the first name saying, oh, yeah, he can play Constantine. Well, it's 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 widely believed that they made the change because they cast Keanu. Well, the other people that were thought to be cat were considered were Mel Gibson, Kevin Spacey. But Nick Cage was one of the it was actually cast in the beginning of this uh, with a different with a different director or writer. And when that kind of fell apart, that's when uh, Keanu was cast. But the really reason why um, they made the changes of he's an American, he looks like Sting, was when they tried to do it like that, retaining the nationality and things like that, the script got nowhere with studios. Like they didn't want it. They didn't care for it. But when the writer made a change to an American, the script gained traction. So... Um, so again, like ahead of its time, people didn't have respect for some of the source materials. So that is the reason why it, it became the way it is. So we can't just blame Keanu for everything. Well, I think, you know, you, you, you had a good point there about studios not wanting to invest in like basically a British actor. I think mm-hmm. now we're in a time where a lot of the general public is watching like a lot of the BBC, right? With like mm-hmm. Doctor Who becoming so popular, I mean it, the popularity of that show has like exploded, and I think paved the way for a lot. 
Um, and, you know, now you have stuff like uh, Downton Abbey and like other shows, um, The Crown, you know, things like that. I think that makes sense back in 2005 that, you know, oh, they felt that way. Mm-hmm. But now it would be so different because I, I feel like audiences are way more receptive to international things. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. true. you know, there, there was there was like an old Hollywood tendency of kind of Americanizing everything. But um, yeah, we can't blame yeah. Keanu Reeves. And honestly, like. <laughs> Adding Keanu Reeves to something, does that really take away from anything? No. And not, by the- not these days. Again, he's having a renaissance now. He's literally having a renaissance. Yeah, I don't know any <laughs> other actor that has this kind of pool. I mean, actually, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, get, oh, I'll give you another one. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Brendan he's definitely Fraser is having has. a renaissance. Whoever their PR people are. I mean, they, like, <laughs> <laughs> they, they do a really good job. Um, they do. But... Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, um, one thing this movie does get wrong, okay, is, and I am a quote unquote, I'll say, lapsed Catholic. I was raised, I was raised Catholic, but no longer practicing at that point. They talk about you know a suicide in this sense with um, mm-hmm. you know um, Angela's sister at that point. No, not Angela. Um, I always get them. I was <laughs> get them both confused. I know I do too. Um, yeah, um, but uh, Rachel Weiss is as the detective sister. Um, you know, committing suicide, supposedly committing suicide when we find it's not. But then Keanu Reeves as Constantine talking about like he, um, he committed suicide when he couldn't handle the quote unquote gifts of seeing the demons mm-hmm. and everything all around him, and that he he can't be buried. Well. That's incorrect now Hmm. uh, because of a better understanding about mental illness and depression. The Roman Catholic Church dropped the ban on burials for those who committed suicide in the 1980s. Wow, recently though. (laughs) But that is surprising. Yep. So there would be no objection to burying Angela's sister, Isabel. Uh, There we go. I got it right. So Oh, so even in the movie, like they shouldn't, that shouldn't have been. Even the movie, it but but again, protagonist story. It, it was always thought, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, again, took to the 1980s. So it, it's not one of those things that, okay, it's not far. It's on the realm of possibility for this to go on. But technically, it shouldn't have happened at that point. You know, I feel like the movie benefits from some people not having a lot of knowledge about that because I never even thought about it. I Growing up, I heard that, you know, you can't get into heaven if you committed suicide. So I feel like I kind of just go along with whatever the movie shows you, but that makes sense that they would have removed that um, in hindsight. I mean, a lot of ideas about mental illness uh, in the past, especially, you know, people really didn't understand Mm -hmm. and so judged harsher. And so that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so those are some of my quick facts. There may be some others that pop up as we kind of break down our favorite scenes. So For sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the director. So this is directed by Francis Lawrence, and he directed I Am Legend. It looks like all of the Hunger Game movies, or at least most of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he's done some other pretty big stuff. Yeah, it's it's one of those. He's not one of the ones that I immediately come to mind until I like look at the filmography is like, oh, exactly. yeah, you did that. Oh, yeah, you did that. Um, I mean, right now I see he's linked to pre-production on the Bioshock uh, movie, I think, with oh Netflix gosh, or gonna, the series. That's going to make Nick happy, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it looks like he's attached to the new Hunger Games prequel. So um, he loves those. Yeah. Too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I'm a fan of I Am Legend at that point. So I mean, he's attached yeah. to a lot of these different ones uh, with that. But yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, not a household name for me. But for the most part, I've liked and enjoyed what he has put out there. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this movie again, like it's done very well. So it makes sense that he has done some other pretty big properties. I think he's an Austrian I, director, but same. I, I don't really recognize his name until I look at his filmography. Well, well, then at that point, you look at it closer. It's like, oh, you're another one of these that comes from the music industry. Like he is big oh. into the music videos. Like he directed so, so many music videos that makes uh, sense. back in the... So again, like we, there are a number of music music video directors that have gotten their starts doing this stuff in top of commercials and things like that so can you think of any of uh, the music videos that he's done off the top of your head that were 
No, not off the top of my head. I just, I know that. And now I'm just going onto IMDb now and looking at like he. (laughs) Oh no, I'm forcing you to do more homework. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. Like he's uh, uncredited on Justin Timberlake's Crimea River, Michelle Branch's Goodbye to You, Will Smith, uh, Nod Your Head, uh, Britney Spears a number of times, Janet Jackson, Aerosmith. So yeah, some pretty. Wow, these are pretty big names, yeah. Yeah, some credited, some uncredited, but yeah, he his big thing before he even got into the movie industry was music videos. Interesting so. how that became such a Lady Gaga is another one. Oh. Wow. Yeah, it, it's interesting yeah. how that became such a transition for a lot of, you know, di- uh, directors that we really like now. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like Fincher. I think was another one that he started out with music videos. I believe um, there's quite a few. Um, yeah. let's talk about the cast a little bit. You know, obviously we've already talked about Keanu Reeves. He's made a couple, you know, uh, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. We've talked about him, Rachel Weiss, uh, Shia LaBeouf. I kind of forgot he was in this. <laughs> oh, um, Shia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these days, uh, maybe not talking as fondly about him in the media, but, um, Gavin Rosdale, who I always forget is Balthazar. Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time I ever saw Tilda Swinton in a movie. Wow. Yeah, no, she I she just has just any anytime they cast her in something, it's just like I'm paying attention to her so much because of the, the stature and the gravitas she brings to any role, any role, especially like when she's put into these. How can she play that? Like she's playing Gabriel, which people are like, well, Gabriel's Gabriel's a man. It's like um says who is that yeah. just way you've kind of been brought up especially but like since the she's way- not human it's like questions about i mean well i don't know how to how to phrase that but it's like we she she doesn't have to be i don't know she's otherworldly looking <laughs> so i mean it's like, if we're gonna yeah. go if we're gonna go the kevin smith route in the sense of going to dogma again they they don't have the parts necessarily they may look like it at that point but it's just like she fits so well of looking at like how i would look at gabriel like okay it's portrayed by a woman she's does she still look like how i thought gabriel looks like in the facial features and stuff like that the blonde hair the angelic features like point i'm down again it it's 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 a very cool way but it it really doesn't matter how we put as gabriel because of what Gabriel is representing as a representative half breed on earth. Yeah. So. I think, um, you know, maybe feminine features is really the only, mm-hmm. that's the first thing I think of when I think of angels is feminine. features. Exactly. So whether yeah. that's a man or woman, uh, with feminine presenting features or, or, or non-binary, um, you know, it, it fits. And I think, like you said, at the time in 2005, this was like a surprising casting choice. Now it really wouldn't be. So she kind of paved the way really for like a lot of actors, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a lot of, a lot of other character actors that pop up that we'll probably talk about um, as we go through. uh, I always forget his name, right? Jishiman Hansu at that Mm -hmm. point who plays Papa Midnight. I mean, he, I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, he looks so young back then. And, (laughs) And just, how he's continued to just be after a while. It's like, Oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy yeah. at, at that point. But now he's just kind of grown into a big name and very, in my opinion, and just an eclectic and just powerful, powerful force these days and what he's been able to do. But I love him, even though it's not a, it's not forever on screen. Whenever he's on screen as Papa Midnight, it's, it's, he fits the character. Very yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, was there anybody else in the cast that you wanted to focus on before we? Uh... Um, no, I think those those are the big ones. Like you said, uh, you know, it's interesting, like Chaz in the comics versus kind of how they made Chaz a a kid. I wasn't necessarily a fan of. It served its purpose, but I think that maybe that's my only slight, you know, nick knock against the the film, just because mm-hmm. I think it would have, just because I think that character, I think they didn't do the best job of his connection to Constantine of what he is. They kind of tried to do it, but I don't think they did it enough justice, nor I think if sacrifices had to be made, they decided to kind of sacrifice that to, uh, for the movie's runtime and things like that. But I, they did a much better job in this series, uh, with Matt Ryan Mm. with Chaz. Okay. Yeah. 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 He almost could have not been in the movie really. Like he Mm -hmm. doesn't contribute a ton. 
Um, so yeah, I, I can, when he's quite the opposite in the comics, he's a very, Mm -hmm. very important figure to Constantine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that seems to happen a lot, especially earlier, you know, when I say earlier, I'm saying 2005, but, um, (laughs) with some, some Hollywood adaptions, they, I noticed that they'll kind of try to pare down the story really like make it pretty skinny, um, Mm -hmm. especially for the first movie. So maybe that's why they did that. But yeah, it is a little disappointing. I feel like that would be different now. Um, well, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes and you can go chronologically if you want or jump around like whatever you want to do. Yeah, one of my one of the scenes in the beginning is just when we get introduced to Constantine coming in and basically performing an exorcism on uh, on a uh, a little girl who has a literally demon <laughs> inside of her. And especially kind of how he kind of walks in and senses a demon, knows exactly what's going on. And he says, this is John, John Constantine, asshole. Yeah, I love, (laughs) I love this. It just (laughs) establishes exactly like who he is. Just like, yep, mm -hmm, we're ready for a ride. But just how he senses, this is not any kind of normal, normal demon. This is a full on so like soldier demon that should not have been able to do this. And so this already kind of sets up where Constance is going for this movie. It's like something's happening that shouldn't be, they know better to than this should be happening. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Something is amiss, but it establishes so much so quickly. Like you said, like obviously he's not your typical priest. I mean, we're going to find out that he's not a priest at all. Um, and, and I think this is one thing I've read uh, the comics, the preacher comics and I'm not mm-hmm. crazy about those, if I'm honest. They're like, where where this world that Alan Morris created, it is like cynical, edgy, all that. Like preacher is like maybe too far even for me. Like I'm not religious at all, but I I kind of like, I don't know. I don't really like those comics as much. <laughs> um, I like this mm-hmm. more. This is kind of more my speed, I think, where it's sort of like there's more morally gray and anti-hero characters, but they're not quite like as extreme. Um, now a question for you as a former Catholic, I mean, can someone who's not a priest perform an exorcism? Do you know? <laughs> well, I, 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 that, I, that I, I do not have personal experience with or are associated <laughs> with people that <laughs> either way. But I mean, if you look at in the sense of just how it's portrayed, it's just like those who study the occult and things like that, like would claim otherwise. Mm, um, I mean, one okay. of my favorite horror movies of all time is the exorcist yep same. um and one would say like no it has to be someone of priesthood and i'll mm-hmm. be like yeah i kind of like i kind of like it could be anyone who if they have correctly dabbled with you know and understand it but it, the character of constantine i won't go too much into spoilers with with comic history but he also is very brash. He is also very cocky and confident to the point of detriment of loss of life to when mm he gets he performs an exorcism and it does not go well at all and uh, that is something that haunts him throughout his entire comic history i see of, of the mistake he made yeah he and i think i know what everything. you're talking about because i i watched yeah. the show and yeah but, but if you watch yeah. the show they very much deal with that yeah i i um you know i was not catholic but i did have a religious background and i talked about this when we when we did our exorcist uh, episode but I, I listened to exorcism tapes. Um, oh, yeah. So just, you know, like, you know, my, uh, uh, that I mean, you know, I don't know that I necessarily believe those were real now, but I definitely did when I was a kid and I was, they were very scary to me. Um, and I think that's why I kind of get drawn to stuff like this and, and why supernatural stuff has always been so interesting to me and why I possibly it's usually the scariest to me because of, uh, because of my background. So mm-hmm. little, little fun fact about me, but, um, it, it, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a, <laughs> it's not one, one of those things that people like seek out, but it, right. I mean, I live it, in Texas, so <laughs> like that may shock some listeners hearing that, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> in some places in the South, it's not that shocking. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I really like this idea that the movie kind of puts forth that, like you're saying, like it's it's more of like a procedural letter of the law kind of thing. Like Constantine's able to perform these exorcisms because he's 
playing by all these rules and that's what's mm-hmm. letting him do that even though he's not a priest and i don't know just there's something about that like taking all of that all those concepts and making it kind of i don't want to say bureaucratic i don't know giving it all that structure is like interesting to me yeah it it, it just presents again it's it's so for some people it's spitting in the face of religion and that's i hate to say it but that's the point of the character of constantine is that you you buy into this whole thing i'm not saying it's not a good thing or a bad thing but there's a lot of seediness on both sides Mm -hmm. there's a lot of red in both their ledgers well uh you know my dad is deeply religious and he loves this movie Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah (laughs) so it kind of just depends he kind of you know for him it's fiction and so he enjoys it Yep. Some, some, sometimes that again, it, it, it's okay. It's yeah, completely yeah. okay. But, you know, I like it when we get introduced to Rachel Weiss's character, you know, and the detective Angela Dodson. And like we kind of already mentioned, she, she finds out that her sister is what they, what they're willing to do, what they're willing to claim is like a suicide. And she's like, no, that's impossible. She's, you know, she's in this, you know, uh, I'm going to, you know, she is in a, a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. and you know very devout catholic and she said she would never kill herself she's so devout like she knows even though we already already talked about how that's not right like if she kills herself you know she won't be buried but also what is not changed is you kill yourself you're going to hell and she would not do that she would someone else forced her so she's on this whole thing is like she was deeply disturbed she would not willingly go and kill herself and so that that's exactly how constantine and her kind of i wouldn't say meet but just um you know they see each other in the hospital he won't hold the elevator door it's such constantine just like it's an old it's like nah i'm sorry no (laughs) and then they meet each other again in the at at the uh the church and he's still his usual charming self says oh so you're just a a, just a jerk every everywhere (laughs) (laughs) yes uh, but uh, it, they have very good, I think they have very good chemistry together. I very agree. good. And I'm, and I'm so, even though they hinted a little bit towards it, like you think that he's going to kiss her at some points. I'm glad they never went there. I'm so, so glad they never went there. I kind of like Constantine as a character more when he's unattached just because of his personality. Like mm-hmm. he just, he seems like one of those characters. It's like meant to be alone and kind of a lone wolf, you know, cowboyish. I don't know. So it's kind of and, like it's better when he's not attached. And, and in the comics, he's bisexual. That's so right. I was trying it, to remember. It's, it's like, is he pan or bisexual? I guess bisexual. <laughs> if it's, I have not read a lot of the modern stuff of of Constantine. I've seen, I've read a little bit here or there, but um, I've always, I've, I've always held on to the fact that at the at if he's gone pan, awesome. But uh, I've always known that, and I kind of shock some people. It's like. Yeah, I said, no, he's bisexual. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got many different comic panels to show you. By he 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 plays the field a lot, even though a yeah, lot of times he's he kind is of a, a lot player. <laughs> he's very much a lot of times linked with the Tana, mm-hmm, um, another mm-hmm. magical figure in the DC universe. He 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 does he does go both sides of the aisle, and you know what? It makes him happy, and he's a big big player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of so, again, it's like I I think giving into that sort of like roguish nature of him and stuff like it's more fun when he's kind of unattached i think but that doesn't mean but, he doesn't have you know real feelings he just he kind of mm-hmm. he, he likes to to be alone i think <laughs> yeah but i i like how you know we we understand like they put in the in in the movie that he's dying of lung cancer mm-hmm. which is which is a a thing there's there's a uh, arc in the comics called um I believe it's uh deadly habits or or deathly habits i believe um where it talks about the lung cancer um where he's suffering because he smokes a lot <laughs> yeah he smokes and- a lot and it's like uh, uh it's even interesting to watch this now because i feel like we've almost like eliminated smoking from most movies you it's know da- excuse me it's, da- it's dangerous habit that's the name of the run dangerous habits oh okay okay um and, and that's by garth ennis but it's it, I like it because because again he's been fighting to try to you know as he talks about like he's a suicide he's gonna go to hell he's hoping that all these half breeds and things like that will buy him some you know some way into heaven at yeah. that point but and as I, as he talks to, as he talks to Gabriel Gabriel's like you're never gonna buy your way into heaven right you're doing this because it's the right thing to do but 
I'm sorry. It's just, it's not going to be possible. Yeah. Well, she said that also she says that the right thing to do is self-serving. So it's not really, Mm -hmm. it's not truly right on its own, which presents a moral question, right? I mean, that we always debate, um, do we do good things because they're good or do we do good things because of what it gets us? I would argue that anyone religious doing good things i mean it is buying you into heaven right so how's that any different but which he kind of yeah, tries it, to hint at he's like well doesn't everyone do that? you know but i know yeah you know, <laughs> she's only you're only doing this because you want to do you're not doing because it's the right thing is like well you know like you said it's like is that is that true is that in the area but i the really cool thing is after it where you know he's fighting one of these basically this insect sea you know crab monster whatever it is <laughs> in the street in the streets um and, and trying to kill him and another another full-on demon in the streets trying to take out constantine and he's just like there is there is no this should not be happening something mm-hmm. is going on he even tells gabriel like what is going on this should not be this should not be happening and gabriel's just talking up but i don't know it's just something at that point yeah we get introduced to it at it it's some like we don't know it yet but it's all it's all tied around the son of the devil mm-hmm. is is trying to get back into earth and to uh rule earth rule earth uh, because he can't stand being in the shadow of his father. Right, right. Yeah, I, I like the plot. I like um, this concept about the devil having a son too. Like, I like that Constantine has all this like insider knowledge that he kind mm-hmm. of spouts throughout the film um, to the audience. It, again, it's just kind of creating this world and it's very it's very interesting. I, I like all that. Yeah, especially it comes up to my favorite kind of quotes from the movie um, when he's talking to... Um, Angela, like he goes on and said, you know, detective, what if I told you that God and the devil made a wager, a kind of standing bet for all the souls of mankind? I like how she's and I tell you to stay on your meds. He says, humor me. No direct contact with humans. That would that would be the rule. Just influence. See who would win. He says, who knows? May, maybe just for the fun of it. No telling. And Angela goes, so it's it's fun. It's fun when a man beats his wife to death. It's fun when a mother drowns her own baby and you think the devil is responsible. People are evil, Mr. Constantine. People. And Constantine goes, yeah, you're right. We're born capable of terrible things. But then sometimes something else comes along that gives us a little bit right nudge. Mm-hmm. He says, well, this has been educational. I just don't believe you. I just don't believe in the devil. And Constantine says, well, you should. He believes in you. Yeah. I just love that because it, 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 you know, you kind of think about it. And it's, it's one of those like, you know, that kind of tracks. I know. You know, it, I know. It, it, it's one of those things that just when you think you're in that moment to do the right thing, you're not sure, and you get pushed in just some people get pushed in the wrong way, some people get pushed to the righteous way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just love kind of thinking about that concept. And then later on, when they're sitting down and eating, like at the food truck, he goes, You, you talk about the half breeds and anything mm-hmm. like that. And he says, Angels and demons can't cross over onto our plane. So instead, we get what's called half-breeds, the influence peddlers. They can whisper in our ears, but a single word can give you courage or turn your favorite pleasure into your worst nightmare. Those with the demons touch, like those part angel living alongside us, they call it the balance. I call it hypocritical bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That is my favorite line of the movie right there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it's sometimes what... You know, some people just kind of, you know, it's not me just like saying, you know, which belief system is right or wrong. It's that, but it's just sometimes when I think about people who it's one thing to believe and it's another thing to push your beliefs on someone. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I, I, you can believe whatever you want to believe, believe in religion, believe, don't believe in religion. If you be start pushing your beliefs on, uh, on other people, that's where I think you start losing the high ground, no matter who you are. I also feel like this concept of influence removes some accountability and I'm kind of against that, you know, mm-hmm. um, if, if, the, if that's true, then uh, I mean, then, then it's unfair. Like he's saying it's bullshit. If, if you're yeah. being nudged one way or the other, then it's not really your choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, if you believe that, then you believe in less accountability. I, I kind of don't, I don't agree with that. So. I think I'm on Constantine's side here, <laughs> but I yeah, like the well, way it's, it's presented all, in the movie. 
Yeah, it's it's just one of those things like it, it people can look at it saying, oh, so we're just basically play things for them. And Constantine's saying, yeah, basically, that's how they view it. They mm-hmm. think it they think it's righteousness to getting having that war and using these play things. And it's it, that's why Constantine calls a bull. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's that's you all put the God and the devil in these things. And you're really we're just their play things. And they think that they can rule over us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, very so. much so. Um, but yeah, I, I just love that conversation. I love that kind of debate of, of religion and things like that. But even some of the cool side characters we get, um, in the movie, um, God, what, what was his name? Um, oh, the guy that, um, the guy in the beginning, with this stuff. Uh, oh. yeah, that brings him, brings him all the, the supplies at that point. Oh my gosh. Father Hennessy, that, that guy, or not Father Hennessy, um, Beeman, Beeman, Beeman. That's okay. it. Beeman. Oh, that guy. Yes, um, yes, yes. yep. And just how he gives them all like the dragon's breath and like the beetle that nails in the chalkboard for people from hell. Yes. And then when he goes later on in the movie, as he's talking about like the different books of the Bible, I said, wait a minute, this only goes to, you know, that chapter only goes to theirs. Oh, in the devil's Bible, it's, it goes to there. I said, wait a minute, there's a Bible of hell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a Bible of hell and he's reading from it. And that's where they find all this stuff. And, Beam is such it's a small, small character, but it's just like it's so pivotal in the sense of who represents like, again, Constantine does care about people, but there's so much, so many people, friends and friends that he has lost because of what he does. And mm-hmm. This is another one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I it, It's, you know, he comes across in the movie as kind of a little bit of an asshole and he pushes people away. But yeah, you find out in the movie it's because of his because of what he does. It's like when you get too close to his orbit, you're likely to get taken out. Yeah. Um, trying to think of other, some of my other favorite scenes. Um, also, this is such a, like a different performance. I feel like from Keanu, do you agree? Mm -hmm. Like this is a very different character from what he typically plays. I, I, you know, like the way he presents himself in John wick, I feel like is your standard Keanu, you know, like or even like in the matrix, but this is like, a, I feel like a different, like a little bit of an edgier, darker side to him. And I like it. It's just a, a little bit of a more nuanced performance, I think, than, than we get in a lot of his like biggest roles. Yeah. I think, you know, this is kind of his, like, you know, I don't, it's not matrix, not anywhere close to matrix. Like yeah. you said, it's different. I kind of equate this to a little bit more towards what we've become with John wick. Yeah. It is closer to John wick for sure. Um, but 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 like a little bit I don't know like a little bit funnier I don't know mm-hmm. but I I yeah. really <laughs> like I really like him in this character another character that he doesn't play a lot that I would love to see come back would be like Johnny Mnemonic um, oh geez that's a deep pull yeah yeah I I really that that movie's not great but the concepts are great so it kind of reminds me of this a little bit where it's like there's a lot of world building and you're like I want more of that you know this movie kind of gives you that same thing he he nails it so well that you're like I just want more of this <laughs> and, and especially just because of like the, you're dealing with the occult in this so it's mm-hmm. just like well you know it, it, there's so much you can build on and again yes. you don't have huge rogues gallery like Batman for Constantine because he deals in what he deals with he has a lot of crossovers with different characters get her of this world like swamp thing where it was introduced so you could do a lot with it and have more other characters cross over with him but you know for this movie with him trying to stop you know maman lucifer's son from rising up and basically that they come to find that you know isabel angel angela's sister she was right when they go through that scene where he's like basically getting himself to hell oh my gosh that's like one of my favorite scenes so cool not just the visual the visuals are stunning in there like it it represents there's so many different interpretations this is definitely up there on my list of it's kind of weird to say my favorite interpretation of hell just because it's such (laughs) a it's it it is scary it is it, it is frightening it is because he's putting himself in a situation where they're like he he goes down there he may not come out and it's all to find out if isabel is down there come to find out that she is that she did kill herself 
but mm-hmm. there was a reason behind it. And it's just trying to figure out what was she trying to say? What was she trying to prove? Mm-hmm. Um, was she just raving? What, did she just lose touch and wanted to end it? And, but she ended it for a reason to send a warning to Angela that you're, I did not want to be used as Maman's pathway to the, to, to our world. Yeah. However, you are still out there because they're trying to use a psychic to get, and she is a psychic in a way mm-hmm. um, to get to pass through our world, which is just terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Know? I think everything about that scene, like when he looks into the cat's eyes, he's got his feet in the water. Like they come up with all these visuals that are like really interesting into how he gets there. And then, one of my favorite parts in that scene is when he breaks that holy water on his chest to get out. Like yep. it just looks so cool. And then he comes back and he's got that smoking medical bracelet. Uh, just mm-hmm. everything about it is just really, really well done. Um, the yeah. effects in this movie are surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's good for its time. It, it holds up. It doesn't look too bad with the, yeah, with I mean, the demons you can tell it's and all CG, that, but it's not, yeah. it's not too That's bad. Okay. Like you said. Yeah. Um, a few of the other, you know, Papa Midnight we talked about and where, you know, we get energy time only Papa Midnight is kind of our detente, our, our neutrality he's holding with his bar, but we Balthazar who is God, he's so good. The actor who plays him when he's got, you know, just going up to Constantine and says, Oh, I can't wait to hear you're coming down. You know, it's going to be like, you know, finger looking good, getting you back, you know, at that point and finding out how like Balthazar, you know, it's so tragic, especially with, um, you know, the father mm-hmm. and how he finds out something and how he basically proves what Constantine says. He turns a half breed can turn your biggest pleasure to what he's a former alcoholic to his biggest nightmare and trying to. He basically trying to drink, drink and he can't at that point, everything's coming up when he really is drinking and he basically drinks himself to death. Mm-hmm. Um and he's sending a warning to him as he's kind of that dying at that point, you know, you know, chopping, you know, putting the, the wine key into his hand, trying to send a message to what it is, basically the spear of destiny. He's trying to get Constantine to see, but it's also, you know, Balthazar is there, but they're also the owner of the, the, the worker of the shop is a half breed, but on this time of the angel giving, not saving him, but giving him peace mm-hmm. in his last moments. And Balthazar, and, and, he's played by Gavin Rossdale from Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So that's very cool. <laughs> uh, when I was so younger, that, I, I, you know, he used to be engaged to Gwen Stefani. And um, so, yeah, right. so I like, about that. yeah, so like younger me was like, oh, he's so cute. And he's engaged to Gwen <laughs> Stefani. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, so. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I remember him. But um, yeah, he does do a really good job. And it's like, it's he had like a little bit of an acting career, you know, for a while. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of he does a good job and it's surprising when I see him in this movie. I'm like, oh, I forgot he was like in this. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, after Beeman's killed, after the father's killed mm-hmm. and, you know, they start adding up. And then and he's basically trying to convince Andrew, like, you have to accept these gifts. Like I've I, I'd killed myself over them and I've accepted I shouldn't have done that. But you need to accept these gifts because if you don't, we can't stop this. Like I need you to be there. And so he has basically gives her this near death experience in the tub. But I love the line. So do I need to be naked in order to be this? And he's like thinking, he's like, um, John, it's like, yeah, I'm thinking, no, we can keep some of the clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that scene seems so violent now. Like it's like shocking. Yeah. And he's like drowning her. I don't know. It's, it's like, um, cool, you have to become near death before we really waken you. And it's just like, oh, did, did she really die? Did she cross over? And he, she didn't. But it was just, yeah. I, I love the fact that when we, he goes back to Papa Midnight and he's there with Chaz and he basically is trying to say, you know, you got to stop this whole neutrality. They have crossed over. They are breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. You said you'd be neutral until this, someone broke the rules. Well, guess what? They're breaking the rules. Yeah. I need I need to find out what's really going on. And then the whole kind of arming up with getting the, you know, Chad's putting on the, the crosses on the bullets yes. and things like that. It was cool. And that shotgun, apparently, oh, Keanu cool. Reeves bought that from the studio and gave it to the director. Aww. I mean, that is... <laughs> it was such a cool 
the holy shotgun, I think it's called at that point. But I just love it when he enters the hospital and all these demons, all these half-breeds are there. He says, hi, I'm John. Uh, you all are in violation of the of whatever neutrality and things like that. So you either vacate this premises or I'm going to deport your asses to hell. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and- <laughs> That's awesome. It's it, it, it's such a it, it's again pure Constantine a, mm-hmm. at that point, and it was just the the whole like saying fine they're not going to go until you see him taking out everyone left and right and, and going down and you know even when he runs out of bullets and Chaz you know they put on the the cross in the holy water the cross in the sprinkler system so it's holy water everywhere so it's such a cool sequence, but unfortunately when you know prior to that when. Balthazar, like he goes to confront Balthazar to get the information of what's going on. Unfortunately, Angela doesn't listen and she gets basically taken but to the hospital to be the vessel for Maman. And we come to find out that from the stories of the book, it has to be also the hand of an angel, um, the hand of God to bring this Maman back into mm. the world and we come to find out it's Gabriel working for the other side and Gabriel's yeah. reasoning is basically saying he's given you he favored you among everyone the humans and you literally spit in his face conduct all these words you couldn't care less about this so you know what you you squandered your gift I'm gonna bring in Maman and just say you know this is your punishment for the world <laughs> yeah I mean she basically does what Lucifer did right I mean because Lucifer was an angel and uh you know, eventually uh, got bitter and uh, yep. she's going down that path as well. Yeah. And so in order to, you know, just as she's getting ready to stab Angela, who's basically been kind of taken over by Maman, Maman's trying to cross over. He, he does, Constantine does something that um, he knows will probably bring a stop to this. And he slashes his wrists mm-hmm. because it was said early in the movie that, when Constantine does die, Lucifer himself would be very happy to collect him and who shows up, but Lucifer Mm -hmm. to collect John Constantine. And my goodness, I will tell you right now, Peter Stormare um, playing Lucifer. God, it's it's another perfect casting. It's like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's perfect. Like very much. It's, it's eerie. It's weird. Um, yeah, it's just like the perfect mix of like everything in one character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the conversation they have, he's like trying to light a cigarette. He's like, oh, see, you cut the tendon there at that yeah. point. It makes it difficult. It, it gets, gets, you know, again, not trying to be triggering or anything like that, but it's just like the very sick humor. Yes. <laughs> of course, the devil would have. And so when he basically is doing that and he says oh look at your uh how's the family um well your son's about to cross over and do that and he's like he's about to do what yeah we're gonna put a stop to that at that point and he ends up preventing this but also at the same time when lucifer presents this it also finally gets you know constantine his ticket to heaven because he made a sacrifice in order to save someone else he's going to heaven and lucifer's like um I'm not going to allow this. So um, as you're flicking me off, as I'm going to heaven, literally. <laughs> yeah, that was off, funny. And he literally grabs onto him and takes out all the cancer from his lungs in order to save his life. And so that's saying, nope, sorry, I'm not allowing you to go to heaven. You're going to stay on this earth and we're going to have a lot more fun, you and I. <laughs> yeah, like more opportunities for you to sin so you don't end up in heaven, basically. I- I- exactly. Yeah. So... But, you know, it comes to, you know, he's able to save Angela. No one's crossing over at that point. Maman goes back to to hell with his, fa- to, with his father. And I like how they kind of ended in the sense of like, you know, you, she's got to learn how to deal with these gifts. He's going to go out continuing doing what he does. And the, the way the movie ends is just looking like he's about to have a cigarette when it's really probably either chewing gum or nicotine gum or anything like that. And, you know, he's goes about continuing his ways. But unfortunately during that time we did, you know, Mama did take out uh, Chaz, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he set I, him up the whole movie to be killed. I mean, he's basically yes. just another person getting too close to Constantine and getting punished for it. Yes, very much so. And, but at the time I did not 
I was not one to stay for end credits, so I did not see this until it came out on DVD of the end credit scene with Constantine visiting Chaz's grave, putting the lighter on there, and then turning around and seeing Chaz is now an angel watching over people. Mm. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah, but interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, interesting. Didn't need it, but it was <laughs> it was cool to discover it was cool to discover saying, like, Oh, there was an end credit scene. Well, now I can watch it. So yeah. So well, we yeah. didn't talk about uh, Gabriel's. I think that's another really cool visual. Oh yeah, when, to, yeah, it, yeah. It, when getting blown away with, um, you know, being punished for, you know, doing what what she, you know, what what she did, and losing basically being an angel and getting her wings blown off at that point and being forced to live on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's punishment enough. I would agree. Yeah. And I like how like delusional she kind of is, yeah. You know, like she's <laughs> yep. really been completely, I guess, defrocked. Maybe is how you phrase it. And it's kind of like she's like, "Oh, you're doing such a good job," and da da da, and st- sort of trying to hold on, doesn't realize how much she's lost yet. Like a little bit delirious, or I don't know. It was I, I, I like how they depicted that. But yeah, it's just, and I love revisiting this movie, whether it be Halloween or any other time. It's just, it's again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast if I wasn't. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and and I, I don't know if we mentioned too, like the tattoo thing. I think was another really cool. I, I don't think that's yes. in the comics, right? Like that's just like a fun thing in the movie. But he, he's had tattoos in the past. That one, it doesn't. I could be completely wrong. That one just doesn't stand up, but he's had tattoos. Yeah, he's so. had tattoos, but they don't like. I just love that visual of like when he puts his forearms together, yep. and it's just cool. Like, um, just there's a lot of really neat things in this movie um, that that make you want there to be more. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah, that delve like, in this world. Yeah, I'm glad that like as time has worn on, I feel like I hear more and more people say, "No, I I loved that movie. I really enjoyed it." And like, obviously, studios are even entertaining doing a sequel. I mean, truly when it first came out, that would have been impossible. So yeah. I'm, I'm just really glad that we've come so far on, on how people feel mm-hmm. about this movie. Yes. Yeah, so, but yeah, love it. Love it. Can watch it. I can, I can definitely watch this movie over and over again. Yeah. I've so. seen it many times. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I guess if you had to sum summarize what we've talked about, like what, mm-hmm. what about this movie is, uh, you know, keeps you coming back. Why, why do you think you've seen it so many times? Uh, besides being a fan of the character from the comics at that point and being a Keanu Reeves fan, I think, like I said uh, at the beginning, as as a person who was raised in, in Catholicism and, and things that kind of I I questioned later on about it, it, some of the things he says in it are things that saying, you know, it, it has co- caused me to question where I was. And again, this is not me saying I look down on people or think people are crazy for having any sort of religion. That's not it at all. That's just my, that's just my journey. Yeah, it's like your own personal it, belief it, it, system. It, it, it's yeah. my, my own personal beliefs at that point. Do I believe like there are certain things that are true in this movie? No, I'm not saying that, but it's just certain things that are allow me to kind of wrestle with what i believe in the faith i have and things like that so it brought in some very interesting concepts and i I think that's why i like this movie gets me to think a lot every time i start thinking and i have very deep conversations with people about what this movie brings up yeah i think one thing for me is like if you're a person that is not religious it can be kind of hard to define or for people to understand like that you can be non-religious and have very strong moral beliefs. And I think John Constantine kind of represents that, right? Like he's a character that, yeah, he's not a priest. Um, I don't think you could call his character devout Catholic. He's no, edgy, no, he's, he's sarcastic, he's a little bitter, but he has ver- a very strong belief system regardless. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of a cool representation in a movie that, especially at the time, you didn't see a lot of. And so I think people like you and me kind of relate to that kind of character we grew up around a religion but we're not like religious you know and and constantine's kind of like that you know it's Mm -hmm. like you can't deny it's not real but he doesn't follow the you know certain things so um if you had to pitch this movie to someone that hasn't seen this yet what would you say um i'll take a line from one of my favorite quotes from it what if i told you that the god god and the devil made a wager (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of standing standing bad for all the souls on mankind 
and there was one guy out there that were keeping them both in line for this. That's John Constantine. Yes. Okay. Well, Chris, this has been a great conversation as always. That surprises me. Not at all. But, you know, if you wanted to plug yourself again, where, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Balga. And my two shows are also found on Twitter. Um, Marvel Alliance is found at Marvel A Podcast. And World's Finest True Believers is at Finest Believers. And if you want to tune into any and all those shows that we offer on the network, uh, all you need to do is search for Geek Ultimate Alliance on any of your podcast apps of choice. And you'll be able to find all eight shows that we bring you every single week. Um, check them all out. We've got everything covering geekdom, nerdum, you name it. We've got it. So great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, hope to have you back soon. Yep. Look forward to it. Thanks again. <laughs>